Ever wonder what it'd be like if Deanna Troy was, you know, like a lunatic? Oh, and a guy? We'll find out in this next exciting episode of STTNGs coming at you right about now. Pow. Remember when we used to count this thing down? Bring the opera singer back. No, no, no. I'm sorry. You want me to do my Gene Stapleton again? Dave is obsessed with this opera singer and with Gene Stapleton. I mean, I think they're one and the same. The opera singer was from the original series when you had the opening very famous Star Trek music, which everybody must know, right? That was only in the first season that you had vocals on that. Uh, above that track and she this is this is i think the third time like the third consecutive episode we have begun with the discussion <laughs> of this opera singer but so what are you expecting people to listen to all three of these episodes give me a break <laughs> i'm not expecting them to listen to it now i mean that was, there was before but this you took care of that thanks we have this strange bump in listenership i think it has to do with my vocals Welcome, everybody, to STTNG's Not Another Star Trek Podcast. I am, as always, the affable Ambassador Andrew, and with me is... Oh, Jesus Christ. Commander Davey Dave! Commander Davey Dave. He's in charge of the warp core of your heart and the antimatter intermix chamber of your soul. Wow. you Did you write that one? I did, just well, by myself. Well, I, I, I've never felt so much pressure at the beginning of this show to deliver. Now I'm really going to be there. I'm going to be on. Well, it's going to get worse because you know how we've always been asking for a, uh, a good, solid Deanna Troy episode. Mm. And here we go. She was, she was doing nothing last time. And now they give her some empathing to do. And it, uh, well, why don't, you know what? Why don't you just explain <laughs> what this episode is about, please, Commander? Embrace yourself, everyone. It's a Deanna Troy heavy episode. What? Wait. A fellow Beta Z, Tam Elbrun. Good name, great bird. Caw, caw. Who is also mentally unstable, comes on board to help save a sentient starship from being space fried in a supernova. And hold on to your writer's room. This dude has a history a mile long. Did you know he was part of a failed first contact mission in which a bunch of Starfleet people done died? Oh, no. Did you know that a couple of those dyers were friends of Commander Riker? No. And did you also know that Elbrun's empathy is so much stronger than Deanna Troy's that he can't help but hear all the voices in his head coming from the Enterprise crew? Oh, no. He can't get that kid Harry and his compulsion to carve dolphins out of his mind. And hey, did you know Worf has a young ward living in his cabin still? Uh, Jeremy Astor? What the fuck? Elbrun can only find peace when peering into the mind of his new bestie, Data. Hold on. Hold on. I thought you said this was a Deanna Troy episode. And for the record, for those of you who've been following the show for a while or even just a little bit, you know that oftentimes I will write these synopses, mm. mostly to torment Dave. When it's Dave's turn to read, I like to write <laughs> synopses that I know will be right, difficult right. for him to read. This was his own. 
I did, and he wrote I wrote this all by himself. Did you hear how I, I I announced the living shit out of that thing? Oh man, it was just smooth as butter, smoother my, than an android's ass. My theater teacher is probably sitting back right now, feeling so proud. <laughs> So all of this starts like that. The Enterprise is just tooling around, and even Picard said they're doing something tedious, and I even forget what they're doing because it was so tedious. And out of nowhere, here comes here comes the hood. I think they were visiting a dying star, right? No, is that what they're doing? <laughs> no. Wouldn't it be funny yeah, if they're no, no, they weren't. But wouldn't it be funny no, if they're the Enterprise is preparing a detailed exospheric chart of the Hayashi system? I I thought it would be funny if they were visiting one dying star and then they got pulled away from that dying star to, because they had to go visit another dying star. That was <laughs> because all these stars are dying. I don't know exactly. It's a very unhealthy solar area that they operate in. Because this is what this is our third or fourth dying star. Oh, isn't it? at least have you ever been to that side of the galaxy? What is that? What what, what Alpha Quadrant is that? Alpha or? Alpha Quadrant. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's where we live. This is like the yeah. left hand side of the Alpha Quadrant, and I think we were told in this episode that this is almost as far as anybody's ever gone in space before. So this is like deep, deep stage left of the Alpha Quadrant. And I feel foolish for not knowing that before. I, I, I'm oh. thirsty, man. I got to open this thing. Uh, hold on. I okay, gotta... you open up your beverage. I, uh, beautiful sparkling water. Uh, what do you? What's the name of this particular uh, fun fest? It's a uh, uh, I don't know some aqua bullshit. <laughs> aqua bullshit. That's delightful. I again am back to the colorfully decorated oh, water bottle. Yeah, it's colorfully decorated. People yeah. who can't see because we're on a podcast. Andrew has a big ass thermos with a bunch of stickers on it and stuff, right? They're just doing their tedious business, and out of nowhere, here comes the USS Hood to tell the Enterprise they have a mission and to drop off a little friend. And I got to tell you, the Hood is the Excelsior model ship, and I still hate that ship. Yeah, I can't stand that it has like this big belly. You know, it has this flat top to it and then this giant belly. Like I talked about a couple of episodes ago when you saw those ports on the bottom of the Enterprise D and how weird that must be to be in that curved part of the floor and it's a port. Yeah. That Excelsior model makes no sense. Why would you curve it like that? How are people walking? Are they walking at an angle? No. Are they like, oh, no, I'm always going to fall over. I got to walk to engineering. That's where they hold all the gas in this thing. Where do you think it's supposed to be? I feel foolish yeah. now. But it's supposed to be like a, a, a like a ship, like a seafaring ship. So they model it after that. And, it, and it's Captain DeSoto. Outside of Jean-Luc, he's my favorite captain. <laughs> and why is that? He's so casual. Did you see him? He was just kind of like, I, I guess uh, when you're in a lesser class ship than a galaxy class ship, you can just take it a little easier. He's like, hey, man, here I am. What's up? Jean-Luc, hey, Riker, what's happening, man? Yo, Rikes. Yo, what? bro. Come on, why don't you beam on over here and we'll shotgun some doobies. Hey, Riker, was that you on Rigel 4 doing Camelot? I, I swear to God, there's this dude doing this whole one-man show, and I'm like, is that Commander William Riker? Hey, Rikes, why don't you beam over here and do some Camelot for me, and we'll do some Jaeger bombs after. Bring that trombone with you. The ladies dig it. I would act that way, too, if I had these kind of a assignments here you are in this excelsior model ship and they're like hey why don't you fly halfway across the alpha quadrant and just be <laughs> like uh hey go tell those assholes uh what to do and then drop this dickhead off I, you know no. i i don't it's the stupidest 
mission. I know. DeSoto's job is to shuttle this guy who's the, you know, the main character in our episode here. But it, his job is to drive that dude across the galaxy so he can meet up with the Enterprise, which is a much faster ship. But I think it's funny to think about this whole future where there's this rank system and people aren't supposed to be kind of competing for jobs and everybody's supposed to be so equal in what they're doing. And this dude gets stuck with basically taking one of the most expensive machines in the galaxy across the galaxy so he could drop some dude off. He's he's just like some big space Uber. <laughs> hey, don't forget to give me five stars, Tam. <laughs> he's He's taking... Everyone's favorite, Tam Elbrun. Yeah. And I don't understand why they just don't shoot Tam through space in a photon torpedo like they did Kalar. Kalar's Worf's on-again, off-again girlfriend, lover. Oh, no. He's, that's, that's, her, that's his lover. I mean, they loved. Oh, they had love? They made the love? They, they cling on it up. We've made the love together. Is there? Do you think there is love on Klingon, or is it something else? Of course there is love. What do you think? We are nothing but animals? No. <laughs> We call it Larve. We go back to front, Commander. <laughs> the way we do it, it's called Larve. This jerkwad oh Ta- Tam Elbrun, who is a, a Beta Zed, much like our beloved Counselor Troy, and he's another much like. abrasive personality. Like, remember Paul Stubbs? Yeah. Remember Cole Rami? The Enterprise D seems to say, hey, let's go pick up a couple of assholes, why don't we? Oh, look, there's Paul Stubbs, Cole Rami, and Tam Elbrun. Let's pick them up together. Which one was Cole Rami? Cole Rami was the guy who was playing Stratagema against Data. Oh, with those finger uh, condoms. Yeah, and he had the weird face folds, and he was very like, and he made fun of Riker. He's like, do you think Commander Riker's worth a shit? Because I don't (laughs) think he is. Well, and Picard had to say, "Uh, Mr. Cole Rami, what's your problem? This Dick. new finer officer that likes to collect girlfriends in outer space than this guy on my ship, man. And uh, Stubbs was from early this season, first episode this season. He was yes. this grumpy old dude Evolution. from Scrubs who wanted to go see a dying star and was really irritable about it. About yeah, and war. apparently every time you go see a dying star, you have to bring some abrasive asshole on. And while Paul Stubbs was played by uh, the guy who was in Scrubs, who played a guy. Nice. This time we have Mayor Wilkins from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season three Buffy the Vampire oh, Slayer. Oh, is that who that guy is? Yes, uh, Harry finally, Groner. I couldn't find it. I was I was looking him up online. I was trying to figure out, like, why do I know this guy? The dude's name is Harry Groner. And, and just right. the whole time I'm like, you know, hey, how'd you like to meet my Harry Groner? <laughs> No, come on. I mean, that's just not. This show's for the kids, man. Give me a break with that kind of crap. <laughs> hey, mama. What is he like? Hey, who's that guy? What What was his name? He'd be another uh, grumpy-ass uh, dude to be on the ship. I forget what his name was. God damn it. Now I got to look it up. <laughs> Uh, he was a Beta Zed or Beta Zoan or a Beta Beta. He was half Beta Zoan. You know what kills me about these Beta Zoans that keep showing up is every single one of these fools is stronger than Troy. Why does this Galaxy class vessel have such a second rate Beta Zed on board? I don't get it. Devanani Rawl, played by Matt McCoy. Oh, of course, how could I forget Rawl? Hey, yes. Mama. So Harry Gruner, who apparently is getting paid by the emote here, he plays it like Farpoint Troy. He's supposed to be out of control. His emotions are just everywhere. And he's like, ah, it's all these voices. I just, (laughs) I can't. It's too much. Your stupid thoughts. He's so fucking annoying. 
so he can hear everybody on board and he anticipates what people are saying. And of course, this gets on Picard's nerves because he's anticipating Picard's orders and he starts giving, basically giving the orders out before Picard could even say them. And you can see in Picard's face, he's like, uh, Jean-Luc, don't think this because this dickhead's going to know exactly what you're saying, but uh, try to hold this shit together. This guy's getting on my last nerve. So I guess Riker blames him. He was part of an away team you mentioned. Yeah, that history, man. Some bad history. He gave some bad info or intel. Right. And it led to a bunch of people dying on the mission, including some friends of Rikers or whatever. Yeah. But none of that's really followed up. It's just going to the fact that this guy is totally unstable. Yeah, he's he's like a complete lunatic. And I don't understand why Starfleet would even trust this guy. I mean, what's, what's the thinking here? Well, I get that. I was thinking about this, and I had a real problem with this episode when I watched the first time I was really bothered by the performance and I was bothered by the characterization of this guy. I just did not like him. And so I went back and watched this again. We, we touched on this a long time ago about how some people on the autism spectrum identify with data. Right. I started thinking about this guy in the same kind of way. Like, is that what's happening? And is he a person with a difference that the show is trying to represent in a very early way of doing that? It is interesting if you think about it from that lens. I mean, they're clearly talking about a person who has some at least social differences and he has some mental abilities, but they're weighing on him in a way that so that they're causing him a real difference in the way that he experiences the universe in in a negative way, even though he's so empowered. That's an interesting take on it. I mean, I I definitely didn't see it that way. And I know that one of the issues surrounding people who are identified as being on the spectrum is being unable to able to mediate sensations, right? right? Either whether they be feelings or whether they be physical feelings. So, yeah, that that totally is kind of interesting. Unfortunately, (laughs) I, I mean, the show... It doesn't really deliver on that connection, and we're meant to not like this guy. I know, but I think he's a little more nuanced than a Stubbs or a Rawl in that I don't think he's totally meant to be this butthole on the ship. I think we're supposed to empathize with him, and I don't know if it's the actor's portrayal, the director's directing, or the production run having to uh, jam this thing out so quickly, but... The nuance gets lost on it. And I think that there's something in there that is a little more complicated. And it made me, on my additional view for this show, it made me think about him differently. And I, I think they were trying to do something. And and oftentimes on this show, they're trying to do a thing and it doesn't really work or it's dated. But it's interesting. I really, really like that reading. And I would like that reading to work. <laughs> but the way Harry Groner... That's the actor, the actor. Yeah, the way Harry Groner plays him is so over the top. You can't sympathize with him. Yeah. It's not like we see a moment where it made us go, hmm, you know, I could see this guy's really Kobe because he's got it up to 11 the whole time, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and when he's yelling at Riker, like, yeah, Billy boy. Billy boy. Yeah, people died, Billy boy. And you're just like, oh, come I, on now. So he's reading Riker's mind when we, they're talking about this incident in the boardroom and Riker is thinking, we don't hear it, but he's he's thinking, this guy caused the death of all my pals. And Tam is responding to vibes from him, right. from his neuro net. I, I got to ask you, Andrew, is it possible that that expression, Billy boy, is still around in the 24th century? I just don't believe it. 
I mean, th- we don't even say that now. Billy Boy. <laughs> he can't be around still. It's it's one of these antiquated let's go mind the store things that they should have known that. Billy Boy. Hello. They're Sorry, now, Billy. They're, why does that, why don't uh, they call him Billy? Why don't they call him Billy Riker? So they, they call him Will or they call him William. No one ever says, hey, Billy Bob. It's weird. This guy's name is hard for me to get my mind around. It's Tam Elbrun. And I kept. Yes. And I tried what I was, to do it. I was trying to read it backwards, like Matt Nub Nurbrell or something. <laughs> like, is there a Great Bird's buddy or something? It reads like a backwards name. Oh. And Great Bird, please, let me ask you this, if you don't mind. I oh, know you're oh. in semi-semi-semi-retirement. Yeah. Right. What do you want? Oh, God bless it. What I want to understand is that cool, cool. there's such weirdness around the names on this show. Yeah. And, and here they are in this episode. And I know these are two separate issues, but... This guy is named in this weird way, just like many of the other characters we've seen throughout, like these secondary Well, listen here, listen here. This is not something I tell everybody. And if this were going on some kind of show that I thought people listened to, I'd be a little more careful about saying anything. But the fact is, I had a lot of debts. (laughs) A lot of debts. The only way to pay them off was to name people on the show. So, you know, if I owed someone five large, I'd say, hey. How would you like to be a character in Star Trek The Next Generation? Is there, call, call. <laughs> thanks, Graper. Is there any way you can make a joke that wouldn't land in such a slanderous way of the, the person that we're supposedly loving? Would that be okay? Uh, as far as we know, there. Uh, uh, but I, I, what, what bothers me, too, is I'm absolutely fascinated by this idea that he's hearing all the thoughts of the crew. Now, first of all, yeah. this also goes back to our Beta Zed's telepathic or empathic, because apparently they are telepathic. God bless it. Well, apparently, Wait, are you are saying that Deanna Troy says that their natural telepathic traits are shut off at birth and are slowly activated. And Tam is one of these people. The ability is activated at birth, and that's what makes him cuckoo right. for Cocoa Puffs. It doesn't make him cuckoo. It makes him like super in tune. And this is where I was going with that spectrum stuff. It makes him heightened. So he's uh, the Rain Man or something. He's reading everybody. Yes. Deanna can apparently barely read people, but this dude reads everything. He hears every voice on the ship all at once, and it blows this guy's mind. I can barely deal with my own internal monologue. If I had to listen to more than one person going on, let alone 3,000 people all chiming in about what the hell they're doing and what's for dinner tonight. Are you making a pot roast, honey? And what happened to that family that got corkscrewed out of the bedroom next to us when the board came on? And where's your goddamn... Dolphin carving knife, Harry, for the final time, I've asked you to throw that shit away. I mean, all that's going on in this guy's mind all the time. So fine, but my, my I'm just worried that we need to apologize to you. Beta Zeds might. Are you kidding? Deanna might be telepathic. Are you kidding? I, I mean, I can't believe this. This I, I want. Yes, please apologize. Thank you. I really appreciate it. On, on behalf of myself and several listeners and listeners, you know who you are. You know who you are. I'm speaking to you directly. No, I know who they are. <laughs> it could be, in fact, Commander Davy Dave was right. There is some oh telepathy going on. And even though he you, couldn't you. To seem to discern between telepathy and empathy, we do have to acknowledge he was right. There was some telepathy oh, here. It's not, you can't, that's not, by the way, I mean, you should know better than that. That's not no acknowledgement, first of all, or an apology. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. No, this is Christ. my favorite kind of apology. It's like, look, I'm sorry if you took offense. 
I mean, I'm sorry if you're hurt by that. I'm sorry if you were hurt, Dave, but you, you're yeah. still kind of a butthole about it. <laughs> remember, how, remember how you were so stupid about what powers she has? Because the show, the show is giving her these powers and then taking them away and then making her go away or making her have a migraine when some entity gets into her mind. And it's, it's But like, when I, I have to go to the club and I'm sitting there and I'm having a gimlet with the fellows, do you know how hard they rib me? They give me the business. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. This kills me with this poor character and this actress. This is an episode where they make you think it's going to be about her because you've got a fellow Beta Z on board. It totally veers off in this Data episode, which is fine. It makes sense. But for a character who gets ignored so much and who... When she actually does the work on the show, when when they don't have her just sitting around, she's actually so good. And she's really good in this episode when they give her a couple scenes to do. Okay, so he can't shut off he can't shut off the thoughts of everyone else, right? So what is what is he hearing on that ship? I mean, there's so much potential that he could be hearing. And I would have been happy if the whole episode would have been him sitting in his in his quarters, kind of rocking back and forth, and you just heard all these different voices coming through. Like Data be like, bigger, bigger, bigger. I think it must be Wesley Crusher stealing my semi-organic nutrient suspension and silicone-based liquid medium from the bridge cooler. I will add a laxative to be sure. And then you hear Wesley going like, I have to tell Commander Riker I have to be excused from the bridge because I have to go toilet. <laughs> no. Uh, hey, uh, Wesley, uh, when you stood up, uh, you better go check the back of your very pointy pants, if you know what I mean. I know we dressed you in very light blues. Maybe that was a mistake. Mr. Crusher, did you shot on your dot? <laughs> Data, hold on. What in the world is this stuff? It's so milky. What is going on? But I- it's, it's in, they're supposed to be the thoughts. Oh, 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 he's thinking that. Oh. Yeah. Mm. No, I, I really enjoy this. I, I wonder if Data's put... Uh, a fresh bottle in the cooler of his of his uh, semi-organic nutrient suspension and silicone-based liquid medium. It's. I wonder what Roll's doing right now. I wonder if he's lactating any semi-organic nutrient suspension in a silicone-based liquid medium. Hey, um, you know what I'm thinking of myself right now? I remember a time when uh, two douchebag podcast runners said they were going to make a podcast that was free of ripping on Wesley Crusher. Whatever happened to that? No, no, no. We said we're not going to rip on Will Wheaton. I know. I we I, love I, Will Wheaton. I, I mean, I feel like to no end we've made fun of this character as well as many of the other characters, but it's, it's not Will Wheaton's fault, and I, I, uh, I, I feel bad. To be clear, we love all the actors. We love all the performers. We love all the yes. crew. We love everyone. It's just some of the shit's funny. Well, it's funny because it's old. I mean, that's what's happening. It's good-natured ribbing. And, and I got to tell you, Andrew, the reason why we go after um, Jean-Luc so hard is because this guy's won life's jackpot. I mean, he's a wonderful actor. He's a great humanitarian. He's a funny person. And he, he's knighted and shit. And he's the poop emoji. I, I totally don't feel bad uh, having some fun with Su-Su-Su-Su-Pat. Uh, we invite any member of the cast and crew if they want to come on and make fun of us. We're we're totally open to that. <laughs> no, I can't take that. I mean, can you imagine if, if we have the privilege of having Marina Sirtis on here? She would uh, ream us up and down. Oh, she would destroy us. She would absolutely destroy us. But speaking of Marina Sirtis, so 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 Tam Tam O'Shanter, oh whatever God. his name is, 
was actually Troy's patient. And this is the part that's interesting to me. This idea of Troy having patience, right? Having people that she takes care of in a therapeutic right. sense. Like this is a patient. She was working as a therapist because they call right. her counselor. They don't call her therapist. They call her counselor. Now we're entering into this idea that she's providing some psychological service or psychiatric services. Right. And we're going to see that the very next episode, Hollow Pursuits, know, God which bless introduces it. Reg Barkley. Yes. Yeah, we actually see her doing her job, and it's really great when she does. She she didn't get to finish the job here because this guy's he's a problem. Well, just because she treated him doesn't mean he's cured. I mean, maybe he was in way worse shape. They have a friendship. They have a bond because of whatever treatment you know she helped him through before. We've seen her sitting around and not doing anything on the ship so much and it's a shame the writers don't seem to know what to do with her but they still feel obligated to put her in scenes so she's on the bridge kind of just sitting there she's not in a uniform like anybody else so just the look of it just like her appearance on the show makes it seem like she is somehow less important than the rest of the crew and i gotta tell you these guys are flying around on a make-believe spaceship i mean they couldn't have uh fantasized or science fictioned a way for her to be more useful on this show? I just don't understand. What happens to her, the track of her story in this episode is a lot like previous attempts. I'm thinking particularly of The Hunted, where she's the one that initially reaches out to Roga Danar, who was uh, basically a super soldier yeah, who had been experimented on and, and was tormented because of it. He gets beamed aboard the Enterprise, right. and she senses his turmoil from the hallway and comes to talk to him. So she's kind of talking to him, working with him a little yeah. bit. But at some point in the episode, again, and the same thing happens here, her work with the patient or the subject is transferred over to Data. And suddenly <laughs> Data becomes yeah. the more palatable option. Yeah, And in this case, because Data has no feelings, it's not painful for Elbrun to deal with Data. He can't read Data's thoughts, right? It's quiet. It's very uncomfortable to me that here we see her engaging in at least a former patient and now friend relationship or just acquaintance, however you want to put it. And it just gets squelched. So Data could take the spotlight. Picard even silences her on the bridge, right? She's like, yeah, when Tam is about to go over to the titular Tin Man, Deanna wants to go. And Picard's just like, no, it ain't happening. No. You're too important. Captain, I want to go. Listen, Deanna, who else is going to sit on the hands right next to me on the bridge if you go? (laughs) No, no, Deanna, let the robot go instead. Wait, hold on. You know, Commander Data is a -a two-of-a-kind android. Am I saying this in my head? Does anybody hear me? (laughs) Remember when that dude came on board to steal Data's daughter? Admiral Haftel. That guy. The offspring. And what is it you do around here exactly, Deanna? I mean, you're supposed to read people's thoughts and everything, but frankly, you're not that good at it. Maybe you should go. I'm sorry, Captain. I'll be at my quarters. I I mean, again, with with the way that they structure these episodes with the secondary cast and, and painfully when it comes to Deanna, they leave her out or they cut her out of it and she could have been in all of these scenes with Data. It didn't have to be just Data and Elrond. It could have been the three of them together working in this spaceship because they end up going on to the spaceship that they're calling Tin Man. 
it's a missed opportunity to to create more character connection between Data and Troy. Well, I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned I'm glad you mentioned oh my God. Man, uh, Commander oh. Davy Dave, because this is supposedly the central conceit of the episode is that there is this object that Starfleet's calling Tin Man. That's out there in space, and nobody knows what it is. And it's putting off weird readings. It's right by the dying star. Star, you know, Starfleet <laughs> yeah. wants the Enterprise to go get it. Oh, and by the way, it's also in an area of space the Romulans call their Oops. own. Oh, uh oh! I said trombone. Jesus Christ! Was that Riker? The things that they name things. I think it was totally unnecessary to call this thing the ship with this is this living ship, right? Tin Man. I, yes. I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, it's a cool concept, right? So it's a living ship. Yeah. And we can't wait to learn more about it, but, you know, keep waiting because we're not going to. It's, it's really, to me, the most interesting part of the episode. So, of course, they don't really pay much attention to <laughs> I it. Know. And yeah, why it, do they call it Tin Man? I, it's neither it's neither metallic or anthropomorphic. I mean, yeah, and it has I a know, name. I know, God bless it. It has a name. It's it's called Gomtu. 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 That sounds at least more organic. Gomtu. But this idea that they've named it like Starfleet has named it a thing that is not informed by anything that's really happening. They don't know what this thing is. They're calling it Tin Man. The foolishness of it, every time somebody said Tin Man, and, and Picard must have said it 10 times in this episode, but every time he said it, I just, I watched this twice, and I was trying to figure out the emotion that I was feeling every time I heard them say, Tin Man, you know, I'm going, why didn't you go over to Tin Man? Every time they said that, I was like, what is this that I'm feeling? And I realized finally that it was just embarrassment. I felt embarrassed. <laughs> I just felt so, I felt embarrassed that I was watching this and I felt embarrassed for these professional actors that had to say this uh, foolishness about this because it's, it's not a, th because there's nothing, it doesn't even look like that. There's nothing about it. I mean, it looks like a giant stuffed, you know, a uh, pasta right. shell it looks like a puff pastry or something in space. There's nothing at all. That's, that's manlike, <laughs> you know, I, I, I just, know. I don't, it drives it's me nuts. And then once they find out that it's called Gomtu, they're still like, oh, Tin yeah, man. you mean Tin Man? I call it Tin Man. Hey, you call that Gomtu? That's its name? I call it Tin Man. What's your name, Tam? It, it, it's such silliness, and it reminds me of, remember Graves World? Remember, this show is all about numbers. Planets around a star are named by numbers around the star. The show starts out with Captain Picard going star date two four five six seven three five two nine 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 five five seven or something like that. I mean, just give this thing a number. Can it just be called zero three five or something or one one zero zero one one zero 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 one one zero one zero? We talked before about the idea that Starfleet does like to call things. Oh, where, where this is Regulus three or this is. You know, Nyman 5. And what the people on the planet are like, Nyman 5? Well, what the hell is that? We call this thing Neptune, man. <laughs> and I don't even know what you're talking about. Where is that now? Nyman 5. The Nymans? Who the hell are them? We're the Neptunians. Right. Well, it's kind of like British people calling China, China. Well, what do you think Chinese people think when they hear that? <laughs> or... Or Christopher Columbus calling them Indians. Exactly. It's this... It's totally this holdover of the colonialism in outer space that's not supposed to be around anymore i'm telling you though, the numbers are better anyways they sound better i swear i thought this episode was going to be about data and i get it i get the nuance i get the double meaning of 
what's happening. And I get the idea that, that this Tam is himself, Tam. you know, uh, like compared to the Tin Man on our show. I, I get it. I get all the duality or the, what do you call it when it's reality? The... <laughs> <laughs> I get all the all the subtle yeah, I nuance. Get it. I get it with the de- embedded in the. I script. get it. It's not even the script, really. It's the title. I mean, it's just. Uh, I get it. And Gotten. again, it's such an interesting concept. It is. It's not the first time, you know, in popular fiction we've seen something like a living ship. And and remember, in Farpoint, the idea that we thought those right. were ships and they turned out to be giant exactly jellyfish. What I was thinking. The only thing that this thing does that's mildly interesting is it grows a jello chair. <laughs> When Data and, and Tam go over there, it's like, let me make you a jello chair. Oh, you know, so so this episode does have a ton of effects in it for as light on effects as the last few episodes have been. This one, you've got practical set effects. You've got art direction. You've got this whole pretty big spaceship that they go inside in it. This effect for the chair, the actual chair forming was a wax model and then they melted it and then uh, ran the film backwards so that the chair kind of formed and i i love that kind of stuff <laughs> it's so weird the way it fits into the scenery it's well done i'm just telling you what if that chair was armis <laughs> oh what if they get on there and tam's like you know i need a place to sit down and then <laughs> Hey! And, and it is like bigger, bigger, bigger. Armist. Hey, have a seat. I wouldn't mind if you sat down right in my lap. I'm going to form some cup holders on either side. What is that you're drinking again, uh, Commander Data? Semi-organic uh, uh, liquid medium in a silicon base. Put that in my goddamn cup holder and have a seat. Hey, hey, Armist, this is Tim... Are you cupping my buttocks? Hey, I know I'm an entity and shit, but can you read my mind, dude? Listen to what I'm saying. Listen. Get the fuck out of this episode already. I appreciate the thought and everything, Armist, but I already had my prostate exam. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> you ought to talk to Commander Riker. Talk about Zapass. Here's the other thing that's kind of interesting yes. about Gomtu. So, so Gomtu is the living ship, right? Right. And it's it's really powerful and everything. But you know, it's got this really neat way that if you're attacking it, what it does, it doesn't just shoot something at you. It spins a giant space donut at you. Look, dude, at least that's something different. But it's dumb. I, I, Why would you rotate the whole ship around like five times and create a space donut? You're always talking about how these ships move in a straight line, and I was thinking about this when I was watching this episode. That ship, the Tin Man spins around, and then the Enterprise and the Warbird, the, the I don't know if we mentioned this, but there's a couple Warbirds. Yes, we need to talk about that. And they get knocked, and they start spinning around, and then you know what happens when you're on a Galaxy-class ship and your ship spins around? Then you, on the bridge, start spinning around too did you see how Riker and Picard were kind of <laughs> oh that made me laugh that made me laugh they just said okay lean lean a little bit Pat 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 it's so funny Pat Johnny listen to me lean a little bit like forward like you're walking into a strong wind or something and then and then just walk and dark- I know you know at least you got to give them a lot of credit at least it looks a million times better than the original series I mean the camera oh, sure. moves around a bit it does it's foolish that they would be moving like that but they cut from the exterior into to the interior and it looks like they're doing something that's being influenced by what's going on on the ship but you would think that that ship you know you really wouldn't be moving around inside of that ship or 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 commander wharf would be ejected right out of that that sunroof they have at the top of that room 
so 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 yeah. after after Gom Tu builds a chariot, he also destroys a Romulan ship. I know, I saw that. It's one of those giant Romulan warbirds. He just wipes it out. He flicks these other two ships away, and then he leaves. Right. Gomtu and Tam just disappear. So this whole show has been like, oh my God, we got to get there. We got to get, we got to get the Tin Man. We got to get the Tin Man. God. So Tam, we got to get the Tin Man. And then it's just like, well, where'd they go? I don't right. know. I guess we're <laughs> well, done. Well, look, look, look. It, I guess we're done now, Will. Let's well, saddle up. Head on to the next I mean, mission. You know, to be kinder to this narrative, the idea was that when Tam got on board and he was having all these voices in this crisis, it was hard for him to live with how in tune he was to everything. And the ship was pretty much suicidal. The ship was there idling by this dying star to kill itself because it had a crew of it had a crew that died. It was the last of its kind, and it had a complete complement right, right. of, of crew members. Everyone's right. dead. Everyone's so when gone. these two get together, then they finally leave each other in this part of the universe, and they make each other whole, and that part of the story is supposed to be you know, the satisfying ending. But my issue is not with them. My issue is with everyone else. So the Romulans get knocked away after losing an entire battle cruiser. Mm. The Enterprise gets knocked away, and and these two ships were like shooting at each other, vying for for access to this thing. They were chasing it. Yeah. It was it was a huge deal, and then suddenly it just isn't. And it's like, well, I guess that thing's gone. Think we should try and look for right. it. Nah. I, the Romulan, yeah, that's stuff. true. The Romulans were going to destroy Tin Man because it had destroyed their uh, fellow Romulan ship, so it was a revenge that they were going to take, and... Excuse me, Dad, Commander yes, Davy uh, Dave, because I prefer to be called by my name, Gomtu. Oh, God bless it. This is, this is me, Gomtu. Gom- I prefer... I prefer to be called Gomtu. Hey, Gomtu, it's me, Armus. Can I tell you, can I share something with you, Gomtu? Sure, Armis. I appreciate you making furniture for my friend. Oh, yeah. I, I mold so good. I don't know if you know this, but you're a fellow entity. Welcome to the Entity Club. Oh, hey. Thanks, Armis. Hey, could you do me a favor and make a divan and a dinette set? Because I think Tam wants to have guests over and they need some place to sit when they have their vittles. Hey, you know what happens with this chair? Oh, Tam's going to need to use the toilet now and again. And I don't mind making a ring if he needs it. I think you got to be careful about that because that kind of stress could lead to roids, hemorrhoids. You might want to have to. Uh, never hey, mind. by the way, what do you think this dude's going to eat for the rest of his life anyways? Hey, uh, so I was hoping you could rustle up one of them kitchenettes and uh, I got some cup no, of soup. No, no problem. Uh, I got some hard tack, <laughs> tack and a salt lick in the back. He could he could yeah. chew on that for a while till we get to another planet and he can get some banana fruit. Yeah, or something. Uh, yeah, I could see him eating the ship or something. That would have been funny if he if he said, "Hey, you know, by the way, Data, this ship seems to be made out of some kind of semi-organic liquid medium in a silicon base. It looks delicious." So you know, I love the Romulans. Oh, I'm always no, happy no, to course. see the Romulans. But I'm like, oy vey, Ismir, why are the Romulans even here? This commander doesn't even get a name. He's just anonymous Romulan he's commander. Angry. And he's just like, you know, Picard, we're going to blow up that ship because it blew up our other anonymous ship. 
and I'm an angry Romulan. Yeah, I laughed when he showed up on on the screen. I I just I laughed out loud because it was <laughs> he just was so silly. He's just so angry. Hey, my brother Gorgag was on that vessel that exploded. You know how long it took for him to walk from his quarters to the bridge? Have you looked at the schematics of that thing? It's ridiculous, man. Uh, it's a bummer about the ship getting destroyed by Grogu, but, you know, I guess we'll just get knocked into space now, and I don't know. I guess it didn't work out for the Empire either. That's too bad. So we have the anonymous Romulan commander, and we also have a lot of anonymous characters in this episode. Yeah. So there's 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 a weird subplot where Jordy is trying to get the ship back to work because the Romulans took shots at it. And he's I, just got this lot of techno babble and stuff. You know, he's doing that thing where he's pushing the glass harder. Yeah, we'll make it work, Captain. Don't worry. And he's got these two unnamed engineering guys. And I actually had to stop and 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 go back a little bit. Because I swear, at first glance, those two unnamed engineering guys with zero lines look just like twins. Oh, yeah. Like, are they supposed to be <laughs> twins? Yeah, I mean, the, maybe these are secondary characters that they were going to bring on later. You know, wouldn't, wouldn't it be funny if they, you got two twins that work with Jordy? <laughs> yeah, who saw that coming? That's wacky. This episode struck me in a weird way with Jordy. It was the first time I really felt like he was missing from the bridge and and he's been down in engineering for two seasons now but i miss his presence on the bridge and and they bring him up there sometimes when picard calls down to him you you hear him introduced through the speaker phone and he's yeah he's like i'm doing i'm giving the best i can they cut to him and stuff it's not a very dynamic way of exchanging dialogue and i know this is from the original series i mean this is where scotty was too i I don't know there's a but it's very disconnected. It is. I don't know if you've noticed this about some modern commercials where they will have a star spokesman, and it's just painfully clear that that star spokesman is nowhere near the other people in the commercial. <laughs> like, they right, green-screened right. it right. or something. So Ted Danson or Michael Jordan or whatever are, are talking in a green screen to absolutely no one. And then you have these humps who are just like, oh, gosh, Michael Jordan, I want to talk to you about my underpants. Or, you know, gosh, Ted Danson, what about my phone plan? And those people are nowhere right. near there. You, you, uh, Sir Pat, you were the poop emoji? Is that true? <laughs> it's like, it's like, hey, you know, I don't like to brag, but I just did, a, did some work with uh, Michael Jordan. Uh, no, he wasn't there. I, he wasn't there. There's a guy with a tennis ball on his head standing in for Michael Jordan. But, you know. That's sad. Yeah, there's there's another commercial. It comes on when a game show comes on, and this woman apparently wins a prize on her phone, and she's trying to show it to yes. her kids. And you know that those kids and that woman never met each other. They they were never in the same universe together at any point, and it's just painful. And I guess for most people, they're just watching it, going, "Go, that woman won, and she was lucky. I guess I could win too." But I'm sitting there completely annoyed because my shows are being interrupted. But this inanity, but also about how how ham fisted and and unoriginal that is and it's lazy. Boring. It's like, oh, you know, we don't have anyone to play the mudda, so let's just uh, do these two kids that look nothing like the mudda, and then we'll find a mudda and we'll put a mudda in. It's yeah, you're right. And then they show you that commercial at least seven thousand times. And no offense to Paramount, the you know the network that we have to uh, subscribe to to watch our beautiful show and all the other Paramount shows, but they run commercials in this insane way where when they go to the commercial break, they show you the same commercial like three times in a row. 
and at oh, yeah. every break. Sure, a lot of those streaming services and, and, and do that's that. the commercial. That commercial is one of the ones that they they keep jamming down my throat. And it, and I don't even know what phone network that's for because it makes me so mad at them that I have to watch it over and over again. I, I purposely tell myself never to remember what this is. My brain, I swear to God, when that kind of stuff happens, my my brain just shuts down. I start thinking about uh, making a podcast or something at that point. I'm like, I am not paying attention to this. It's not working on me. So there, there you go, dear listener. You you have those inane commercials to thank for Commander David Dave's contribution <laughs> to SDTNGs. What what gets me though is it just it also just feels like you know. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Burton, we're only going to need you in for Thursday. Do you mind just coming in and filming with these two twins? And then you'll be free to go, sir. Thank you for your your work this week. Double mint twins. Well, the you know those background <laughs> characters. It's expensive to pay people for speaking parts. Yes. When you're a, what's called background character, that means you don't have lines and you stand there and do shit like so often is happening in the background. But you also you, you don't get money to go to your union dues. So you can become a speaking actor in a thing where you can make a lot of money. And these poor people in the background. I mean, that's how a lot of people start in the business, but that's that's kind of a sucky place to be stuck. And I think what's funny about this show, though, is that they invented a show with this gigantic ship that has to be populated with these background characters. So they're just they just bring in like actor after actor to be in the background and not say anything and then not exist anymore. And it just looks like it's a lot of trouble for them to have to populate that on these episodes where they need to have they need to make it look like there's 3000 people on the ship. And can't they just, you know, would it cost them like 50 bucks just to have them go, OK, or mm hmm, mm hmm. So 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 LaForge is like, you know, Russell, reactivate the sensor assemblies. OK, let's do a program reload port array only. Good. That's good. Computer run level two diagnostic. Computer part array sensor, and at no point does does Russell say, "Okay, I, I, gotcha, Commander." Seem, you yes, bet. A one there, Jordy. It's, it's a very, I'm a very on it. Easy way of making something feel like it's more real, and and they don't, and they don't, they, but they're cutting. Well, it just makes those poor people feel like they're some sort of weird, like slave class, and they're, I, they're that's their true. Cut out or something. Yes, and that's what it was like on the original series too. I mean, and it was the same dilemma. It was the same system that they're working in, but they don't want to yeah. pay. They, they have a budget, and this all this stuff cuts in the budget. And look, if you had those dudes speak, those twins, if they actually spoke, we might not have had that reverse melting chair pop up. Oh, no, not that. Well, they also, you also have a woman at the comm. Right. We have no idea who she is or what she says or if she even has a name. She doesn't get to say anything. But she's right in the middle of all these exciting <laughs> events. And that's the other thing. These people on the bridge, we've talked about who are facing the other way, and they're like, you know, I'd like to turn around and look at those Romulans, but if I don't get these uh, TPS reports done, you know, Mr. Worf is going to have my ass in a sling. And and this woman, too, is just sitting right there driving the ship, and she's like, well, I guess I should probably turn to the left yeah. or uh, fire torpedoes or something. I don't at know. least she gets to face the camera. I mean, what it kills me about those background people is sometimes they're standing there or sitting there and you don't see their faces. And you could just imagine the director's going, hey, uh, lefty, uh, God damn it. Don't turn around. I'm telling you, as soon as we yell action, you keep your fucking face pointed right at that display. I don't want to see you look sideways. I don't want to see any goddamn profile. You're just up there pushing goddamn buttons. I always felt about this one, uh, that movie Starship Troopers. If you've never seen Starship mm -hmm. Troopers, uh, Paul Verhoeven movie, just absolutely ridiculous. It is. But at some point, there's just like these waves of bug after bug after bug after bug. And I always think there's some guy in the audience with his parents going, Mom, Mom, 
see that one up at the corner? That's me. I did that one. I did that one. Look, look at him. Look at him. He's going over that rock. I did that. He went over that rock. I made him go over that rock, Mom. I did it. Okay, we could go I know, and I... Johnny, what about the rest of the movie? Oh, my bug doesn't come back, I, I think we both know a lot of people that have done some kind of fringy stuff in Hollywood. And it's funny to, to, to go like, oh, hey, there you are. There you are. That's my pal. He's right there. You're the yeah, only person in the whole, not even movie theater, but in the whole world that knows that that person is even in that thing right there. Here's a, here's a little behind the scenes. And this is, this is s- several decades ago. I went out a couple of times with this uh, woman who is also an extra in movies. And she can be seen walking in a white lab coat across the screen in one of the Incredible Hulk television movies. After the show had been canceled, they brought the Hulk back for a series of television movies. And she walks across the screen in a white lab coat carrying a clipboard, which was hilarious because this woman is is, as far away from a scientist (laughs) as humanly possible, which is why she dated me. But I I remember watching that thing and going, oh, there she is. so exciting. Look at that. So and it was mildly exciting just to see. And you didn't see her face or anything. But she just kept. <laughs> hey, I know that backside. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen her walk away before in real life. Yeah. Oh, Commander, I think we have done Tin Man all the good we oh, can I do. I hope next time. I can't wait until we see this Tin Man ship come back again in some future episode of the show. I mean, there's like over 100 episodes left. It's got to show up again, right? I can't wait till we learn all about this fascinating concept and its backstory. This is exactly the kind of thing they could have revisited and made another episode about it, and we could have learned more, and we would have—it would have been interesting to learn more. They made books. They wrote books. I gotta read this stuff now. No, no, you don't. You never have to read. They're there. Well, I read read. plenty, but I I read plenty, but I don't read about a TV show. I mean, I gotta read a book about a television show. Like I don't just sit there and watch. So what is this, a television show or a book show? I don't understand. What, what is it going to be? Am I going to read it or am I going to watch it? Because I'm not doing both. I'm not doing both. Commander Davy Dave's got a lot in I, his plate, and I don't have room I for do, reading I and do. watching. I might listen to the audiobook, okay? A lot of these audiobooks, I don't know if you know, Andrew, are read by our cast members. There's a number of them read by William Frakes, some uh, some by our beautiful Will Wheaton, and, and William Shatner, too, could believe it or not. Wow. That's great, Dave. Thanks. We're we're going in, we're going into for a good stretch here, a good double dip. We have two great episodes yeah. in a row. Next time is Hollow Pursuits. Okay. We get to meet Reg Barkley right. finally, and Hollow Pursuits a lot of fun. It is also a Troy-ish episode. Okay. And then after that, we have this great data episode called The Most Toys. And if you've enjoyed listening to this foolishness, I and have. we hope you did. What do you I know? Have. You can find more love at our website. Tn g-e-e-z dot com you can also find us on Facebook on Instagram all those things go to our website won't you that's where everything is popping as we say that's where love HQ is right there hey that's where I live did you know Armis is the webmaster remind me to change the background color so it's not black anymore I've got my sticky paws all over that thing oh man so yeah it hurts doesn't it it does it hurts It hurts so good, Dave. So thanks so much for taking time to listen to our foolishness. Uh, as always, I'm Ambassador Andrew, and with me Commander is... Davy Dave. Let's go mine the store, man. No whiny-ass empaths were hurt in the making of this episode. That's not entirely true. My feelings are awful sore. Shut up, Troy. 
Just shut up. Goodbye, old Tin Man. Huh, what a weird name for a giant floating croissant. Why did they name it that? I just don't understand. Ah, well, really, who gives a flying fuck? Let's move on to the next episode of STTNG's Not Another Star Trek Podcast. Season 3. Oh, this is a good one. It's episode 21, Hollow Pursuits. Even though it's deep season 3, we still get a visit from his mighty birdness. The Great Bird Speaks. In the future, no one's going to be a pain in the ass. Caw, caw. Dave Gozol. Network show tunes on us with a theme song classic. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah, sorry, Mr. T. George Papard just rolled over in his breakfast at Tiffany's coffin. All right. Were you asking when Nancy Reagan was going to tell you to just say no again? Well, consider that itch scratched. You remember when Mr. T and I came out to fight drugs? T says he pities the fool who takes drugs. <laughs> then Ambassador Andrew takes off his ambassador hat or collar or jockstrap to say this. It's like, oh my God, you're such a bunch of douches. And the boys will pull out their deep knowledge of physics for this. Right? I mean, well, there's nothing pulling on them. It's not like they're I going guess... faster and then... Gravity, but that's interesting. That's a good point that neither one of us has any uh, knowledge about. It. And if that wasn't confusing enough, you go to subspace. They talk about subspace. It creates a subspace yeah. field. Yeah, something. Like I don't that. know. It doesn't make any sense to me. Hey, if you're sad that season three is grinding down, dear listener, don't worry. We're bringing you the Great Bird. Caw caw. 1980s action television. Davy Day's musical theater. Physics. In a way that only Andrew and Dave can describe it. Hey, maybe the boys need to run a master class on it. On the next episode of STTNG's Not Just Another Star Trek Podcast. This butthole on the ship. He can't get that kid Harry and his compulsion to carve Dolphin. <laughs> Hold on a second. Like, come on, Dave. This kills me on the back end. They're just doing their tedious business, and out of nowhere, here comes the USS Hood to tell the Enterprise they have a mission and to drop off a little friend. And I got to tell you, the Hood is an Excalibur-class uh, ship, and I still hate that ship. Excalibur-class? Yes, Excalibur class. Wait, is that right? It just looks. Yes, it just has oh. this big belly right. underneath. Is that what the Excelsior is? An Excalibur class? Oh shit! That's what I'm saying. Excelsior, 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 Excelsior. It's not the Excalibur. It's the Excelsior model ship, and and I can't stand that. It's you have to cut that out. Oh no, that's just my gawk. It, 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 excuse me, come again? Did you say you use Gawk as some kind of lubricant, uh, Commander Wolf? Gawk is a water-based. Gawk is a water-based subject. Uh, God damn it. Gawk is a water-based substance, Captain. Uh, uh, liquid medium in a carbon... What, what the hell is it called? Uh, Semi-liquid medium. 
the semi-organic nutrient suspension oh, and the silicon-based oh, liquid fuck, medium. Oh, remember that. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> semi-organic liquid medium. <laughs> Armis, big a big a big uh, Armis. I'm having a semi-organic nutrient suspension in a silicon-based liquid medium. Right. I'm having a. You're. It's a semi-organic liquid medium in a silicon-based something for the goddamn outtakes at the end. All right. Put that in my goddamn cup holder and have a seat. I've always wanted to feel like I've always wanted to feel I've always wanted to I've always wanted to know what it feel like to have a robot sit in my lap. Ray, <laughs> leave him out of this. <laughs> Hasn't he done enough? Hey, be funny it was like, come. Hey, I can't do it. <laughs> I want to say, what the fuck's going on? I don't understand why this guy. What, what the rock's going? I, I don't understand why this thing's called Tin Man. Hold on. Just give me a second. <laughs> Ray, what the rock? Why do they roll this thing, Rin Man? I don't know, Ensign Do. I do not know, Ensign Do. The humans have a stupid habit of naming things really dumb things and saying things a lot. Okay. The humans have a really annoying habit of naming things they do not understand after strange fantasy or cartoon characters. I find it very troubling. Rory. Uh, Rory, I rasped. You know what? I listened to that episode. It's so stupid, but it makes me laugh at my stupid self. That one line where he's like... So proud of myself. What am I, a ranimal? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, even now it makes you laugh. <laughs> you know, what's making me laugh is actually not the line, but you laughing at the line. <laughs> well, I couldn't say it at the time, too. I was laughing so hard just like that. All right. <laughs> you should be very proud so- of yourself, Dave. <laughs>